Well, hello there. Welcome to the Speak Up Podcast. This is episode 108, and today is my first celebrity to interview. It's the famous Ash Amberger of the Middle Finger Project. And if you don't know who she is, that's fine because you're probably not in the internet business world. But Ash is a great copywriter and she helps freelancers with their business issues. And she has this book coming out that's really not for just for people with internet businesses. I think it would be a great college graduation gift for a for a female. I I mean, a man could read it, but I see it's very woman-oriented, and it's a great book, really well-written, and I'm a person who will send back a book to Amazon if I don't like it, but this one I have read and marked up, so I highly recommend it. As you know, the Speak Up podcast is all about conversations. I created this podcast with the premise that the things that we want usually There's a conversation that we need to have, whether it's with ourselves or somebody else. And so that's the theme of this podcast. It's all about conversations. And I just have to warn you that I was completely starstruck when I was interviewing Ash. I couldn't, my brain completely shut down, but I didn't really edit it so you could enjoy the hilarity. Have a great time with this and I will see you later. I was going to do something really cool to share with you, but I couldn't find it. But, um, you know, I'm so uh, starstruck, so I'm just a oh, little... get out of here. Your glasses are amazing. I love them. <laughs> oh, thank you. They're Warby Parkers. Oh, um, I love Warby Parker. Yes. But I just had this such a, um, a moment when I was reading your book, which I love, and as I'm going to... I haven't... This is not the official podcast yet, but I just, because I wanted to tell you this. Well, now I have to say hi on camera. I mean, here I am on camera. I just oh, look like a total. Uh, <laughs> you look great. Oh. Goodness me. I didn't sleep last night. I've just been like, huh. Oh my gosh. No, no. This is, we're, we're, the video is not going anywhere. So. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, yeah, yes. But. You re- I read this. this. The same goes for you. Do it enough times. You can be anything because at some point, success can't outrun you anymore. Not when you're slowly marching for it with a dagger in your hand. Well, you must have written Violent. <laughs> yeah, I love it. In a blog post, because I had copied that down in my own little hand in a journal. Really? To encourage myself. Wonderful. And I want and I wanted to show it to you, but I write in these notebooks and and then you know I you know one will last two or three or four months and then I go to another one. I couldn't find it, but oh that's my why gosh. I wanted to show you like, you know, it's here. I wrote that, oh. but when I saw that I almost started crying. I was like, oh, <laughs> Yeah, there was a couple of places where I'm like, oh, I think I said this better before in a blog post. And then yeah, I went and I looked for it. And I, that might have been it. Yeah. Yes, that was one. I, I will find it because it was just such a, it was just so encouraging. I love so. that you did that. Well, we're, we're thinking about doing a really fun run of these like temporary tattoos that I'm going to write in my little handwriting. That would be fun. I'm looking for really great one-liners to j- just be yes. encouraging. Yeah. Yes. Or you could do, um, 
you know, note cards too. I mean, it's like, you don't have anything to do, but I know. Right. <laughs> it's like, Oh, let me just, let me just add a, tattoos to my list. Like, right. who do I think I am? I don't and, know. <laughs> and then they could have smoothies, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the next step in this evolution. Apparently it's the logical next step. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for having me, Laura. Like you're, Topic of your stuff is awesome. I love the communication conundrums concept. Oh. I think it's awesome. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm excited. Um, Brilliant. I want to do that. <laughs> I think that's great. It's, it's thank fantastic. You. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I will. Um, so I mean, look at me. I look like I look like a dead person right now. <laughs> I mean, not. You know, one thing we have in common is that we both speak Spanish. Oh yeah. I'm married to a Venezuelan. I lived Get in Venezuela the hell out of here. for 10 years. And oh I, I would still be there except the country's in the toilet. But um, yeah, no, a thing for Latin men. So. We have a couple of Venezuelan friends in Costa Rica. And it's just oh, so heartbreaking to hear. Yes, yes, yes. Oh well, my gosh. Where, where are you now? In Charleston, South Carolina. Oh my God, that place is so pretty. It is. It is. Oh. And you were both in historical cities. Right? <laughs> it's true. I know. I love it. I'm such a sucker for the history, architecture, walking through the streets and, and being able to read a story or have them tell you a story. It's so cool. It is cool. Good well, for you. When I pass back through, I'm, I'm going to look you up. Please do. Please do. And I'm so appreciative of your being on my podcast. I can tell you that this is a new audience for you. These, none of these, my People tend to be engineers and financial executives and project managers Love and CFOs and, and founders of technology companies who don't know anything about uh, the Middle Finger Project. But that's going to change, you know. Oh my goodness! Yes. Yeah. Well, I promise I will. I will keep it PG. Oh. <laughs> Well, I'm a PG kind of person, uh, mom of three, I guess, also that has a, uh, even though the kids are, uh, you know, all, all above 17, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Get out. Well, but, I promise I'll keep it PG. I've been doing very well with certain interviews. Okay. Uh, yes, well, I have. Yes. Well, I don't want to cramp your style. No, nope, not style one bit. It's so awesome. You and I have come to the kind of the same message in a different way like you we're all about telling the truth right and but telling it in a way that can be received or that can um, help people or help people remember and tell uh tell the audience just a little bit about when how did you decide to become a copywriter like way back like when you were little when you were nine what what was your dream and and how did you get from that dream to just the first part of your career? Yeah. You know what, Laura? I think from a very young age, growing up in this rural trailer park in a very small town in Pennsylvania with a mom who had severe social anxiety, so she didn't really leave the house, I never really saw work modeled for me. Mm -hmm in a way that felt meaningful or with purpose. I saw it, she, I mean, she viewed it as this very scary thing. And so I think that always since I was little, it was this almost obsession I had with figuring out what it meant to live a good life and do work you're proud of. So to that end, there was something about writing for me because the library was across the street. Mm 
Oh, love libraries. Yes. And I, I don't want to say that the cliche thing of like, oh, it transported me to another world. <laughs> but what I will say is it gave me access to different ideas and different realities and experiences that I couldn't find there in my small town. So that alone felt like a treasure mine. I mean, it was, it was just like, wow, like, look at this. And there was something about that that made me desperate to contribute in some way. And in retrospect, I will say that I think a lot of that has to do with some of the research I've done now and the difference between seeking happiness and seeking meaningfulness. And it turns out that happiness has a lot to do with getting what you want, but meaningfulness has a lot to do with getting what you want and also expressing and defining yourself while you do it. And so right. for me, that was what writing gave me. It was how I knew to express myself because I've always found that words are this great equalizer. Ideas are this great equalizer. And, you know, maybe I lived in a trailer park growing up, but on the piece of paper, you would never know that about me. So I think for yes. me, it was, it was a lot about that, finding that meaning and expressing myself in a way that felt I was proud to, to mm -hmm. do. Well, it's almost like the way you express yourself, and especially today with the internet and email, it's like it, it does level the playing ground. And I'm always telling my clients and my audience, guys, you have, it's a low hanging, it's a low bar. Just be a little <laughs> bit interesting in your emails and your presentations. I mean, you don't have to be, you know, this great orator. You don't have to be, you know, so clever, but just a little bit of cleverness and a little bit of thought and humor can take a, a message about uh, the financial statements or a technology change be more easy to receive. And um, yeah, the humanity piece, the yes. humanity piece is really, I think what that comes down to. We want to talk to other humans, not companies. Right, 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 right. So um, let me find yeah. my, my questions here. Um, so one thing that I like to tell people, and this is like the theme to me of, well, my clients come to me, they want their, you know, they want other people to communicate better because we all know it's not us, it's the other people. <laughs> or that, that's for the company workshops that I do. And then I have a few private coaching clients who are mostly introverts, mostly uh, super, super, super smart people who want to be more visible or they just feel like they need a little push and, you know, saying the things that, that they want to say. But, but my secret sauce is always to break expectations in a positive way. Like if you can do that, you can level the playing ground, you can rise and you did this. And um, by the way, uh, Ash is the author of a book called The Middle Finger Project, and it's called, and the subtitle is Trash Your Imposter Syndrome and Live the Unwithable Life You <laughs> And I have, you know, you should buy this book. And I'm saying that as somebody who I get so annoyed, so peeved, so turned off by most business books because they say, they take 200 pages to write what they could have written in five. Oh, yeah. And true. sometimes I just won't go through that. In fact, I read one of, that I thought was going to be really meaty. It was out the body and the brain. It was, again, could have been maybe a 10-page <laughs> book. 
But this, but your book, The Middle Finger Project, is a delight to read. It's so inspiring. It's a kick in the pants. It's an idea generator. And um, you should Thank be you. proud of it. Thank you very much. Oh, I think it does go back to that humanity piece. I, I really do. It's, it's something I wanted to, I wanted to write uh, something that was helpful for people. Yes. But, but that was also based in story because that's how we connect to one another. And I wanted to have fun with it. And I wanted it to be fun to read it and to learn from one another. Yeah. Yes, you did it. And there's so much competition out there. But, but again, there's just so many books. I just can't get through them. I even, for the first time in my life in December, I returned a book that I read, but I was very careful with it. And <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I returned it. It was by a famous author. I won't say his name, but if I were to say it, you would know. He's one of the, you know, intellectual elites of our country. I was like, no, this is this is this is boring. And and a lot of books, like they tell you, oh, this is how Oprah and Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, this is how they achieve success. Well, who cares? We already know that. I want to know how people like Ash Amberger, who I I don't know. She's not a national, national figure. She's, I guess you're about to be, but you're, uh, <laughs> we'll, somebody, we'll see. you know, do, I don't want to hear about, I love Oprah, but I don't want to hear about her anymore. I want to hear about other people. that well, real people. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I mean, after I, I speak with so many women on a weekly basis and mm -hmm. it was really just beyond painfully obvious to me that I can coach you all day long on how to ask for money and mm -hmm. how to have different conversations with your clients and what to do with your online presence and how to really take your ideas and sell them to another person or, or an employer or whatever. And that is useful. But over and over again, the thing that especially women really struggled with was none of the tactical stuff. It always was the mental and the emotional piece of having to do those things. So that's what this book is about. I mean, it is a business book, but it's really about what's going on in the interior landscape of a person and how to overcome all of the stuff that happens that really does get in our way much more than not knowing how to put a website up. Exactly, exactly. Well, the same thing with communication skills. I mean, it's, you know, there, it's not rocket science, but coming up with ways to outsmart your brain sometimes. There's a concept. <laughs> that you go into the radical self-reliance. And so tell us about that concept and then apply it to like, what if you're an engineer in a company? How can you be self radically self-reliant? Like even if you work for a humongous airplane manufacturer, we've got Boeing here, or you work for some humongous company. And, and then when, when, would you, when is the sign that you should leave your job? Yeah. Yeah. You know, for me, I think that no matter what role you are in, especially if you are an employee, especially working for a big corporation, we've become so accustomed to taking orders, waiting for someone to tell us what to do next and that we're good enough to be promoted. And we're waiting for those marching orders to come down the pipeline. So we get used to being corralled in a way and we spend our entire lives waiting for other people to tell us what to do next. And that I think is where a lot of us do run into problems because if you tie this back to the conversation earlier about meaningfulness and happiness, you don't have a lot of opportunity to express and define yourself in a role that 
is really made for a number. It has nothing to do with your own meaningfulness and your purpose in life. It's really just a simple, it, it's a mathematical function of how much money can we make in this company. So I think that that's the, the struggle between corporations and humanity. And so from where I'm sitting, all of my success has, has happened because I was willing to actually look at it from the difference between a freelancer and an advisor. I think of freelancers in, in much of the same vein where they are waiting for a client to tell them what they need done. Whereas an advisor is not taking orders. An advisor goes in and gives the orders. So if you're someone in a corporation, I would say that radical self-reliance for you is about learning how to take personal agency and personal responsibility over your own ideas and what you believe and how you think that that can be impactful either right there inside, you know, internally in your company, or if it's something that you want to do externally. I mean, don't wait for someone to give you the okay that, you know, you can go be a writer on the side or you can do whatever it is. You just have to show up and have the courage to say that, hey, you know what? This is my contribution to the conversation and I would like to make it. And good things follow from that. And that is really how you do become radically self-reliant, no matter what environment you're in. Right, and I love in your, there's one part of your book where you talk about the different ways that you add value, just like the different ways you can love someone. And it's so true. And I, one thing that I teach is that actually being easy to work with, that's value. Hello. But, but most people who are easy to work with don't see that at all. And they much less, you know, how do they sell it? So what ways do you, I mean, I, I would like to know, do you have ideas about how do you sell, sell your value, the, the, the different ways that you have of selling your value, uh, you know, that perspective, the experience, the wisdom, the humor, the emotional connection, the way people feel around you. These are yes. uh, your thoughtfulness, your kindness. These are all just so good. And the, and the way we, all of us are adding value using these things, but people feel awkward talking about it. So what right. do you, what, they, yeah. what do you, they look at themselves as a number. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, th I think it's a two part process. Number one, if I were starting from scratch, I absolutely would consider all of the nice, beautiful compliments that people give me all day long. The things I think I particularly excel at, I would double down in that department, whatever it really is. And I would, I would sit there and I would make myself a very simple website and I would, I would become my own little personal brand representing that thing. Whatever this thing is that I would, would like to represent. It's a great exercise, even if you have no intention of doing anything with the website. But this is really your modern day CV. And so that's how, for me, I've been able to communicate all sorts of things about myself that clients really like without coming out and saying, hey, you know, guess what? When you work with me, you're going to have a lot of fun. I'm going to make you feel really comfortable, right? Like, I'm going to hit those deadlines. You're, you, you will have never read something that you love so much. All of those things can be said in subtle ways just by having your own online presence and actually sharing right. your own ideas in the way that you want to share them. So that's a little bit more involved. Mm -hmm. uh, but the second part of that um, is having the ability to also see yourself more objectively and say, okay, 
here's where I am better than anybody else in the room at. And here's what I'm really not good at. So I will say to clients, listen, I mean, we'll have a conversation on the phone and I will be asking them questions all day long about what they need and I'm very good at listening and reading between the lines. So when we do that, it's, it becomes more of a, okay, so listen, Jane. Jane, I hear you. So it sounds like you need all of these things and that's mm-hmm. awesome. So these things, you don't want to hire me for that. I would be absolutely terrible at that. That's not mm-hmm. my strong suit. I know people who are great at that. I can hook you up with them. Here is what I'm better at than anybody else in the world. So if this is what you need here, I'm your girl. I've got you on that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that alone, I think knowing yourself and knowing what you're good at and being able to express that to other people as you're having a conversation with them, but being very honest about what that is. And then also where, where you're weak. I'm weak at a lot of things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, hopefully, otherwise, like not human. Well, one thing that I recommend to, especially the higher up you are in a company is to, I didn't think about the website, but that is a cool idea, but like developing a, a monthly or quarterly newsletter the where you, you know, kind of insert, this is what we've done and this is how we did it. And, you know, we avoided these problems and, and then these are the things that I'm concerned about, you know, just kind of a proactive uh, message out there that even if people don't read it completely, they'll, it, it's still a little reminder, little marketing, shall we say, for you inside the company. So let's switch things up. You're such a good email writer. You're such a good writer. I know, I understand from other conversations I've heard that are where you recorded that you have an over 50% open rate with <laughs> yeah. yeah for like 11 years now it's bananas that well I know that's you I mean it's just, they're just so interesting in fact I don't even know how I got got on your list or I don't even remember going to your site but I love the emails but if you're just you know working in a company you know, emails are just awful. What, what advice do you give to somebody, you know, like a, what's a low hanging fruit kind of tip they can take to make their own emails better? Yeah. So if, if you're, I mean, I won't go into the context of email marketing because I think that's a no, different no, no, scenario no. with subject lines and things like that. But if you're just writing the everyday email and you really want it to get read and you want people to enjoy reading it, I think that that's where I would put the focus. I know that this sounds like an extra chore to do, but I encourage my own students when I give creative writing classes to think about pleasure and think about having some fun with your message. It's, Mm -hmm. I mean, listen, if you just keep writing every day, you know, hey, Ash, comma, like just checking (laughs) in on those reports. I mean, you're not having fun with that either. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest. And so the the recipient feels that too. It's Mm -hmm. very much these days like in-person communication. And I don't think that our email has caught up in many ways that our in-person communication has. But if you think about it, there are many subtleties now of of the written language, especially in an online context where if you put a period or don't put a period, it says a different thing. Mm -hmm. If you put an emoji or not, it says a different thing. It reads differently. Uh, I have trouble even sometimes with, uh, with big corporations when I'm emailing with, even with my publisher, I'm like, Oh, did they mean that to sound mean? (laughs) 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 Or (laughs) right. Right. That's a tricky thing. So one of the things that I think really elevates an email, a basic email, whatever it is that can add just a little bit of touch 
of pleasure and flair to the whole thing is a very simple exercise. And it is um, simple as taking whatever one word that you would normally say. Um, we use a lot of big umbrella words to describe things. They're shortcut words. Mm -hmm. um, so like project. Yes, like project or, or like scope um, creep or yes paradigm scope creep par oh paradigm yes. is an awful one yes yeah win win I'm trying to think I had a couple of really great ones that I wrote myself yesterday and thought about this principle but I can't remember exactly what they were I wish I could quote them off the top of my head but if I wanted to say something about um, uh, you know I have to go to the meeting at 3 p.m. for example mm -hmm. um, I will look at that and I'll think okay well what's a meeting really I'll take the noun and I'll mm -hmm. totally look at that and say well what's a meeting and I'll have a little fun with that and I, you know I'll be like oh okay well um, I have to go to the tiny you know little 12 by 12 room where you know <laughs> where we're having a, a party that some people there's no alcohol or cake but <laughs> Right. Know. And I won't even say party because that's another kind of like category where I'll say something like I have to go to the 12 by 12 tiny little room where Steve Jobs is going to be with his, you know, tiny little pet, whatever. I'll get very descriptive about the thing. And it's a fun way just to add some fun into your writing and yes. your style without actually saying the word because people know what you're talking about. But it makes your emails fun to read. Right. It's fun to do. Um, take those category words and, and look at what they really are and then write that instead. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, that's a great tip. Thank you. Maybe I, that won't work so well in corporate America all no, the time. But. No, well, that's what I'm going to ask you about next. But that's what I think. I mean, we need a, that people have, I mean, they can do that. They just need to do it. I mean, what are they going to do? What are you going to do? Get fired because you wrote 12 by 12 room instead of meeting no. <laughs> yeah i mean i think it's worth it's worth studying yeah the, the intricacies of written communication in the year 2020 i think there's so many different things that a lot of people aren't aware of that's making their communications fall flat and feel a little bit more formal than maybe they're even intending Yes. Um, and so it's kind of like learning a, a different language and it's fun. It's fun to do that kind of stuff. It, it is fun. It is. It's, and it's meaningful and it, yeah, it's great. So I'm going to only ask you one more thing because I know you've got a, a lot of interviews on your, to promote your book, but um, what was the question? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Because people ask me this, like, because like, because I'm like the fixer, like, Laura, we need you to come and fix this. I love that about you, Laura. I'm going to call you now. I'm putting you on my speed dial. The Laura, come and fix this. <laughs> but the thing that is different things they want me to fix, but lately I've been asked to fix, these people don't know how to communicate professionally. And, and you know, I think that they're probably very young. It's in it like a it could be a tech company, digital marketing company. Oh, what? Are, so who's asking you to fix that? The HR people. So, oh, <laughs> yeah, suck the life out of them. I mean, it, so I, it, these are some hmm. projects I have. Um, I'm just starting up, so I'm just thinking like. For you, what, I mean, what, what do you, I, I don't want them to be boring. I don't want to teach them to be, you know, cogs in a wheel 
I want them to be themselves, but I think be respectful and maybe be concise. I think one way, one thing is that if you just make your message shorter, you're making the world a better place. Oh, I certainly agree with that. <laughs> oh gosh, you know, I, I think when I have to write a professional email, but I still need to introduce my voice into it, which happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that I leave out that I maybe wouldn't leave out on Twitter or in real life. I mean, you can tell I am, I'm actually tiny detour. The other day I was having a conversation with someone and I decided that you're either an exclamation or a period. And I feel like, Ooh, I, like as people, good. yes, that's a good one. And I can kind of tell, you know, if you're going to, if you're an exclamation kind of person or, or a period person, and I also feel like I have less chemistry with period people. Yeah. Um, but if we both get on and we're both, you know, exclamation points, it's, it's different. So I will say that <laughs> I communicate often. This is my personality. I'm loud. I'm crazy. I, I'm a giant exclamation point. And you, I mean, I write that way mm-hmm. as well on Twitter, in my, in my content, whatever. But if it's a professional email, the things that I will leave out are the exclamation points, um, the capital letters and oftentimes the emojis depending. I'll Mm -hmm. leave those things out, but I will still have fun with the actual words themselves. I will Uh, have, I'll have the creative language in there. And I'll leave out of course, swear words, but I'll have the, (laughs) I'll have the the more creative sentence, the more creative way of putting something. Uh, I oftentimes try really hard to something that bothers me in life is generic lazy thinking, lazy Ugh. sentences, lazy, Ugh. like, Ugh. you're making me nauseated just thinking about it. Yes. It's the worst. Like the cliche, worst. like easy, Ugh. low, you know, like way of saying something yes. that yes. just lacks originality. But that's, that's what business communication is for the most right. part. That's and why I have this huge campaign. It's a crusade. It's hard. Yes. <laughs> a lot of work to do. Oh, it's true. And that's exactly why I've been successful. Why I have a 50% open rate because I don't prescribe to it. But uh, I think that there's something to be said about still taking whatever darn cliche it is, whatever, whatever phrase you're really tempted to say, the first one that comes to mind, even if you write it down and then go back and edit that because it does help other people see you through a fresh lens. If your writing is helping them see a new idea through a fresh lens, it's completely different. So I think it's a nice way to keep it professional. Get rid of all the capital letters, all the, you know, exclamation points, all of the emojis. So it doesn't, right, right. There's nothing worse than an email with just like all exclamation points (laughs) coming through. Yes, too much, too much. All right. Well, do you have any, that's a great tip. Um, You know, do you have any other like just communication advice, like how to be yourself, how to be fun? Like what about a person who doesn't think of themselves as funny? That's another thing people ask me, like, I'm not funny, Laura, but I would like to be more entertaining. Ooh, well, I really don't, I don't believe them. I think everyone's got a little bit more yes. of it. Like they're, you know, who they are on the inside and the things they're thinking. I love bringing that stuff to light as long as it's not insulting, but I love really bringing that humanity out. Like, mm-hmm. It's okay. I, you're, what you're thinking is what the rest of us are thinking too. So it yes. creates connection. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. But of course, saying so in a respectful way, but that gets you noticed. People mm-hmm. love and they're like, oh my gosh, yes, I've been thinking that same thing. 
Um, exactly. And then you're showing you have the courage to say the truth, which I think builds credibility. True. Yeah. And I think also you have to analyze what is it costing you to not speak up or not say what you're thinking in the way you want to say it, because it's costing you a lot. It's not just maybe an opportunity that could have been yours, but it is inside the sense of creativity and almost dignity because you know when you're not really being true to who you are and you're kind of covering it all up you feel like a fraud oh yeah and they come across as maybe they don't think you're fraudulent but they just it's just something's off about you insincere Mm -hmm. yes yes um so i think that analyzing what what was it costing me to have to cover myself up every day it's so much more than what's on the surface there's a lot that it's costing you and sometimes even when it's a hard conversation, geez, even this morning, I had to ask a guest to leave. Oh, <laughs> oops. I had to ask a guest to leave because I, I needed my space. And so that is something that's a hard conversation. But if I hadn't asked her to leave, what's it costing me? It's right. costing me a lot, right? In right, the middle of right. a book launch, it's costing me right. my peace, my sanity. So right. that, you know, it has to, you realize, well, that's more important than the momentary you know, discomfort right. that you feel doing that because you feel awful, but gosh, I feel great now. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. Oh I'm God. obsessed with your work. Oh, you're so kind. Thank you for taking your time to visit us in Charleston, South Carolina. And I know that, um, that the, Everybody listening is going to love their copy of the Middle Finger Project. And I really think it's a good, like, college graduation gift uh, Ooh, yes. for young women. So I'm going to recommend that. Yes. It's, Ooh, uh, I'm writing that down. That's a really great, fun campaign we could run. Absolutely. Because you think about it, every, you know, kids who graduate from college, they have everything. They have so much. When I taught in college, I was, like, amazed how how prosperous college students are, but they don't have this book. <laughs> right. <laughs> they, yes, they do need someone to help them trust in their own ideas. I really. Yes. And to know that that thing that we learn in school about turning in the paper on time, giving the teacher what the teacher wants, that's just the table stakes. Now, if you want to have an interesting life, you got to go way beyond that. Oh, I love that. And I will just say, I just remembered fun fact about me in Charleston. <laughs> oh, cool. When I was still a young babe, I spent my, the eve of my 30th birthday in Charleston. <gasps> and I cried because I remembered realizing that I was at a beautiful Italian restaurant. And I remembered thinking that this was my last meal I would ever eat in my twenties ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I cried there in Charleston and like, you know, a happy cry, but like also a very just like, oh my gosh, this is the last thing I'm ever going to eat. The last dinner I'm ever having in my 20s forever. <laughs> yep, the best is yet to come, Ash. It's always the best is yet to come. That's it's getting older is not for wimps, but it's a lot of fun too. Oh, I love it. Thank yeah. you so much. You have a Thank wonderful you. city. Yes. <laughs> you too and have you come visit sometime i absolutely will you're in trouble when i get there okay that'll be fun <laughs> that'll be fun trouble i love it fun trouble thank you so much laura right. i appreciate your time all right have fun on your book tour 
All right. Thank you, my darling. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Let me know about all the things. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah.